Okay, everybody, thank you. Welcome to All Revved Up. Three priests gear up with the Sunday Scriptures. I'm Peter Walsh. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. And I'm Father Justin. We are the three clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut, and we are beginning a group of podcasts to help you prepare for the Sunday readings, in particular the Gospel. And man, do we have a corker to start today. I mean, we are in Mark seven twenty-four to 37, and this is a Gospel passage that is disturbing, right? Uh, we're going to read it. I'm going to read it to you in a moment here, but I want you to know that there is one word in that whole scripture that leaps out, right? Dog. First pericope is about the Syrophoenician woman, and the second is the weird story where Jesus heals the the deaf and mute guy by spitting on his you know spitting on his finger and touching his tongue. This is some really great stuff, right? And as I go in to read this, I just want everybody to be aware that in the, with the Syrophoenician woman, we are talking about Jesus in Gentile territory, and he is talking to a woman in a man's world, a woman who is of the wrong religion, right, and a woman who is of of the wrong race, uh, uh, according to the Hebrew people at this time in the disagreement they're having. So here we go. Mark 7, 24 to 37. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears and spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So, what kind of a dog do you think the Syrophoenician woman is? Do you think she's a pug? Or like a Labradoodle or something? Are we talking Francis? Are we talking Luna? Uh, Father Peter's daughter's uh, dog? Are we talking my dog, Val? I kind of hope he's not calling her a pug because, um, oh, I just say, pug had potty training issues, and it's not a very nice thing to say. You want to weigh in on this? Because <laughs> I do have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, I think she's a pretty clever dog if she's a dog. <laughs> she's the best kind of dog, but I don't think we also want to be calling her a dog. 
No, I think what we're what we're just to to come back to this word dog, which attracts all the so much of the attention in the passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is so much apologetic work being done around this. How do we find Jesus not to be insulting, sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I really enjoyed doing some research behind this and listening to other commentators. Uh, and as I mentioned to you yesterday. Uh, there are two words for dog in Greek, and one is a mangy wild dog, which apparently were, was a problem uh, in antiquity as dogs came through the, the streets. Uh, and there was also the dog as a pet. And in fact, this word is the dog as a pet. Uh, so, I mean, trying to soften Jesus uh, on right. this one. How much better <laughs> a is A dog is a dog. Right. How even much the better cute is little it? puppies get the get Right. Even crowns, the, exactly. So. Uh, and he does use those diminutives, the yeah. cutes and the littles. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 start here with the Syrophoenician woman. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, wow. I mean, she's a woman, right? And he's talking in a really uh, disparaging way I, by mm-hmm. our ears, a disparaging way. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you how do you how do you approach the passage when you get when you when you hear this? Well, I think you know it follows a passage where Jesus has been caught eating without washed hands, right. and you yeah. know, I think we're in a string of breaking down purity codes and Jesus defying all that. And so yeah. the fact that she's a woman is enough to lead us into the the story and what Jesus is about the business of doing. And so I'm I'm surprised immediately that he speaks this way to her because I feel like he's he's comfortable knocking down purity code and breaking rules. And so it's funny in a way you get the feeling he's you know doing a stage whispered kind of show. For people to see the way, you know, he's speaking for everyone else and, you know, leading up to this conversation. So I don't know. I immediately feel that he, it's a it's a setup hmm. for what he's trying to do. He does sound like a jerk, but everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. everything that yeah. happens and everything around it points to him doing this on purpose to prove a point. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. In my opinion. Do you think that he... Um... I mean, do you think that he went into this scenario with, like, the dog comment in mind? Like, this was the way that he was going to enroll? I mean, maybe I'm just projecting here. Uh, but I do think that, you know, when we read the scriptures, we bring whatever's in our lives to the scriptures. And I just have to say, have you noticed how terrible people are driving these days? I'm driving terrible. <laughs> Cutting people off on the merit please. You know, uh, anyway, I'll have to say a confession later. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Father. Um, but, you know, I think we're all tired. And there's so much going on in our world that we are not firing on all of our emotional cylinders. And I, uh, I can't help but see in this passage Jesus not firing on all of his human mm-hmm. emotional cylinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it says that he, you know, he's fled to the region of Tyre, but even the Gentiles are chasing after him and demanding that he, uh, that he perform these healing miracles, which he's become uh, famous for. And, uh, you know, I kind of see this, I hear this as... Jesus um, not having had a whole lot of sleep. Jesus a little annoyed, maybe, that this is coming about. Jesus still paying attention to her, right? He doesn't ignore her. But all of a sudden, out comes the dog comment. And it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, the word comes out and you kind of see it escape. And you reach out and you want to grab it and, like, take it back. But he can't. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I mean, what it means for, like, Jesus as the incarnate word, as the incarnate son of God, to, uh, you know, be so tired that he lets a disparaging comment slip. That's another question. Uh, But I do take some consolation in the fact Jesus does seem to be wiped out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you guys, but I I can feel kind of wiped out these days. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it says he's he's went away. He's entering a house. He didn't want anyone to know he was there. Yeah. So he's trying to get a little escape, but he could not escape notice, just as you're saying. And, um, you know, it seems like he, but also I'm thinking, well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that rabbinic mm. way of challenging someone enough to make sure that they're serious. Mm. You know, yeah. I don't know that story where you have to ask someone three times, someone has to ask three times to be admitted to the circle or something in order to be prove that they really mean it. Totally. So maybe he's yeah. offering her a challenge to, you know, test her or something. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? Uh, well, I, I really interesting to listen to you on this. I mean, there, this thing is so loaded up with the, in the context of its day. I, I mean, look at the context of our day uh, where, where uh, Tyre is Tyre in, in, in today is uh, in, in Lebanon. And um, I've been to the northern portion of Israel, right up on the border where they have the, the, the big demarcation fencing uh, and, and an incredible Israeli fort. And I've also been on the Lebanese side where the Hezbollah has guns pointed toward Israel. And these, these are bitter, bitter enemies. I think we're really uh, entering into a context that might have mirror that to some degree. Yeah. Uh, these people, uh, though the community, so there's no, there's no United Nations group, there's a little United Nations uh, uh, fortress over on the Lebanese side here. But uh, uh, there's no, none of that. These are mixed races living together, mixed religions living together. Uh, but, um, you know, again, one of the comment, commentators I was reading said that Josephus, the early historian, wrote that of, of, of people who disliked the Hebrew people, the, the Tyrians, the people from Tyre, were the most disliked, they disliked them the most. There was mm -hmm. a very, very bitter uh, relationship between these two peoples. The term Syrophoenician apparently was a, was a racist slurry term. Hmm. Um, I mean, she is from Phoenicia, again, north of, north of Palestine, right, in, in Syro, meaning the, toward, the, toward the Syrian side of things. Hmm. But there's great enmity between these people. And, um, and so I, I, I think, you know, when we wrestle with this, we just simply wrestle with, like, the imperfections of, of how we want Jesus to be. We never are able to get Jesus to be the guy we fully want him to be. You know, we can never use him totally to our ends because he, he's just, he's just an, almost an impossible guy to put in a box and even kind of perfect, perfect by our standards. This doesn't fall into the perfect, perfect box, right? I mean, we would really wish that our Lord, you know, maybe, maybe he held his tongue on this one kind of thing, <laughs> but he didn't, and it's in the scriptures. And I agree with you that this has to be read ultimately in the context of, of, of Jesus with a Gentile, right? So in Matthew's telling of the story, she, it doesn't say she's Syrophoenician, it simply says she's a Canaanite, mm -hmm. right? And, and the history of these peoples. Uh, so Jesus is taking his ministry. Remember, it's first to the children, so first to the people of Israel, mm -hmm. and then, and I think this is the beginning in Mark's gospel of the movement toward the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So if we can scrape away all the stuff that's insulting, Mm -hmm. It's fantastic, <laughs> right? I mean, Jesus is doing this. Too. He's yeah. he's moving into the Gentile world. We would all consider ourselves Gentiles, right? Yeah. And he's and he's he's healing and he's engaged. So mm -hmm. you know, but I I do kind of think that he's exhausted. <laughs> but we have, you know you know the heck maybe we're all. Yeah. Well, I love this story because he meets his match in her. I mean, she's so that's ready. Yes. She's yeah, so quick. True. She's so calm. She's so aware of what she wants out of the situation and she has just the right word to say and i've always i've always felt in this story that she speaks jesus's lines and and, mm. and he's speaking her line or you know the right. opposition's lines and That's really good. you know she's ahead of him and and i i'm thinking about um that tenes tehesi coates book about um 
or is it him who says uh, that the oppressed have a greater insight into social situations? Mm. It's, it's him or Brian McLaren. They're widely different. I can't remember where <laughs> yeah. I read that, but it's, it's a common idea that people living under oppression have a sharper insight into what's really the landscape of, of social situations. Yeah. So I feel like she's someone who has been watching him from afar and seeing who he's teaching and healing and who's following him around. And, um, and she knows what he's about. She knows he's capable of expanding and, and she's right. And she calls him on what his own blind spot maybe I think yeah. is yeah. a possibility. Yeah. And, um, I, I also think that the, one of the best parts of this passage is that Jesus so quickly accepts mm. the correction. I mean, yep. he, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't defend himself. I mean, that's the, that's the word of God type of example, I think, that he's bringing to a, the conversation. I think you're totally right. I, you know, for me, um, actually, the insult is actually part of what makes the story beautiful because it shows that Jesus, mm-hmm. as a human being, can grow, mm-hmm. um, right. which is, um, uh, you know, which has been relatively controversial in the history of Christian thought. Um, you know, I was just um, earlier earlier this week. I was teaching um, to a group of people who are training for priesthood in Connecticut. This book by your teacher Elizabeth Marilyn Adams, mm-hmm. a former Episcopal priest who taught at um, at Yale and Oxford and some other places. And in it, uh, she says that you know, for the medievals. Uh, you know, they basically thought that from Jesus's birth, he had as much knowledge of God in the world as was possible for a human being to have. And, uh, you know, so I suppose he's like mm-hmm. born and he's this kid in the cradle and he's got like knowledge of calculus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he certainly has perfect, um, regardless of whether he knows calculus or not, the medievals totally thought that he had complete knowledge of the moral law, complete knowledge of God's nature. Complete is too strong, but as much of it as a human being could take. And she says, actually, that's not, that's not great because <laughs> we need to be able to identify ourselves with Christ in order for the story to work really for us. He needs to have really become one of us. God needs to have really become one of us, and becoming one of us means growing, and it means changing. It means, uh, you know, it means letting of an inconsiderate remark slip or putting something a little sideways and then having to correct for it. And, um, you know, I actually, I actually think that um, one of the most beautiful things about this passage is what happens with crumbs in the history of Christian thought. So mm-hmm. our darling, Thomas Cramer, the first Protestant Archbishop of Canterbury, adopts this story and turns it into the prayer of humble access, as you guys know. Uh, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. Is something that um, Anglicans and Episcopalians have been saying before the Eucharist, before receiving it, for forever. Uh, but the you know, the upshot of that is that um, it's not just that we're unworthy to gather up the crumbs, right? Perhaps as Gentiles, uh, you know, we're still unworthy to gather up the crumbs of God's love relationship with Israel, but that God actually in the Eucharist has become crumbs. I mean, it's a little bit of poetic justice <laughs> here in a way. Uh, you know, the Syrophoenician woman not only outwits Jesus, but perhaps in God's providence, God is like, hmm, actually, that's a really great idea. <laughs> Why don't I become crumbs? here. Uh, so what do you, I, I'm not quite sure if I'm completely persuaded of that idea. Uh, the crumbs bit is, is me, not Marilyn Adams. I'll take responsibility <laughs> for whether that works or not. Um, that's, I, we better write that one down because it's going to be in a book one day. Yeah, you heard it here. That's crumbs. a good, you heard it here yeah. first, folks. But I think it's great that Jesus can grow. And I actually think it's, um, uh, it, it shows his humility and perhaps yeah. also God's in a way. Um, mm-hmm. 
Wow, really, really interesting. And I do love that prayer. I think it's one of the two or three best prayers in the, in the prayer book. You know, I think that one of the interesting things here is if you take a look at the icons that have been made through our traditions and through Eastern traditions, how few icons there are of the Syrophoenician woman mm -hmm. um, and how she might be uh, really the right person to, you know, to, to um, be venerated uh, for her uh, uh, disregard for all boundary issues, right? Complete mm -hmm. disregard. She loved yeah. her daughter. She mm -hmm. knew this guy could take care of her. She mm -hmm. went and she disregarded everything. I think, secondly, you know, uh, if you take, you know, what's the, how do you apply such a story to our world today? Well, certainly we are so tribal, right? So tribally mm -hmm. divided. Jesus, the whole story is based in tribal divisions. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is through communication uh, and changing your mind. And our world most assuredly needs communication and changing our minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wrap us yeah. up here with this. And uh, I just want to touch for a moment this, the second uh, pericope, the second passage of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and to say this is the healing of the deaf mute. And uh, now Jesus has gone from Tyre uh, to Sidon, Tyre and Sidon, uh, uh, both again in current day uh, uh, Lebanon, and they were uh, back a part of the so-called decay. It goes into the Decapolis, the ten cities. Uh, the ten cities were an area of mixed uh, uh, Jews and Gentiles living together, and we have a, we have a deaf mute, uh, a man who currently can make noise, but he can't, uh, can't speak. And, and Jesus does what Jesus does, right? And, and by our standards, kind of funky, right? He sticks his fingers in his ear. I mean, this would make a fantastic passage in a movie, you know, mm -hmm. and then, you know, like getting a saliva on his finger and going mm -hmm. and stick out your tongue kind of thing and wiping his saliva, you know. It, uh, it doesn't meet our germ-phobic <laughs> Clearly pre-COVID. Really. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of work has been done around Jesus' miracles, right? We're in Mark's Gospels. The power of Jesus' word, the power of his miracles, all pointing toward the power that mm -hmm. is incarnate in this man, this godly power. Uh, and it says here, uh, they were astounded. You know, I mean, that's the purpose mm -hmm. of this whole thing. We are to be astounded today. Uh, and he can do everything well, okay, except for his speech to the Syrophoenician woman. <laughs> he can do everything well, except for his speech to her. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So, uh, you know, I love these funky things. Anytime Jesus gets spit involved, I'm all in. I mean, I just, you know, I, I really kind of an earthy guy. Undoubtedly, yeah. this guy hasn't, you know, he's an earthy guy. He's, you know, I, and what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of this? I also find it beautiful for that reason. I love that he doesn't um, heal the, uh, you know, heal the deaf man just by snapping his fingers, right? Mm -hmm. Or even just like saying a prayer at a distance and like, you know, making the sign of the cross in the air. Uh, it's this fleshy thing. And, you know, I'm reminded, Peter, of your longtime interest in the relationship between the body and the soul. Uh, you know, Jesus is healing this man both as God, I think, and as a human being, and as a human mm -hmm. being, he's healing him in a way that addresses both his soul and his body. You know, he's got a physical ailment, and he's going to he's going to heal him through like physical stuff. Like, I'm not gonna lick my finger. I'm I'm a little bit more germaphobic than you were, and even was before the pandemic. But uh, you know, by <laughs> licking his hand and then, uh, I'm gonna let that one just pass stuff. right. Yeah, through. you are. Yeah, You're just okay. gonna ignore just, it. Gonna, yeah. uh, <laughs> You know, he does, this, he does this stuff, which to my mind is like, oh, gross. But it's human. Mm -hmm. uh, it's human. And I actually think that's really, uh, it's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, not to mention he, he's, again, he's still in Gentile territory. And he's in a place where wandering healers would have been moving mm -hmm. around, doing magic. And yeah. I, it seems like he's mirroring what they would expect in a healer, which is some mm -hmm. elaborate ritual, like a magic trick. But also, it's shocking that he would put his own spit on the spit of this man and, and the, the purity, once again, like a purity line crossed. 
Mm, um, interesting. And yeah, it's so intimate yeah. and so, wow, you know, everyone would have been shocked. And um, so, but it works. And, you know, he's sort of all things to all people. Mm. And um, the, the, one of the weird things in Mark is how he's always limiting the witnesses. And he's like right. doing it, pulling away people in private. But he lets the people see who bring this guy. And, um, you know, there's there's this an idea in the whole gospel that crowds limit the power of the flow of healing or the power of spirit. And I don't know what that's about, but I get the feeling Jesus is kind of commanding the crowd by keeping it at bay so that things can flow, yeah. even though he's letting people see that he's crossing these lines. And um, I think this, this whole thing goes together in the sense that, you know, he's he's had this repartee with this woman um, and shown, you know, shown that he can be in contact with her and then, um, and, and give her what she needs and feed her and, and then move on and do the same thing in, in a healing story. Um, I mean, he's just knocking down the barriers as he goes along. It's like pow, 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 and the yeah. final punch. And then like, it's, it's, he's, there's almost no more lines to cross. You know, he's expanded the mission to the Gentiles. All the food is clean. All are welcome at the table. Um, what else is there to do, you know? I mean, other than go to the cross. <laughs> but, but, you know, he's proving yeah, his point, like, yeah. in a rapid succession. Yeah. So, this is part of what sends him to the cross, too. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. Touching untouchable people. God touching untouchable people. Yeah, in really intimate ways. Yeah. Okay, so there it is, um, folks. Fantastic, really, really great to 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 gear up here to get all revved up over this. Now you got show. your sermon, right? Now I got the <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now I um, hope you'll come to church on Sunday where I, I I steal both of their material and put it in my sermon. <laughs> anyway, uh, God bless you all. Final word for the people in podcast land: Take it easy and be gentle with yourself. Even Jesus had a bad day. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's excellent. Peace be with you. What he said. Take care. (laughs) 